Our scripture reading today comes from Mark chapter 13, verses 5 through 8 and 24 through 26. Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Waiting can be miserable, can't it? I was at a a doctor's appointment this week. I took one of my children to a doctor's appointment. You just wait and wait. and You wait in the waiting room, and then you wait in the examination room, and then the nurse comes in, and then she leaves, and then you wait on the doctor to come in. Right? A lot of places we go, we have to wait. You get stopped at a red light at an inconvenient time, and you have to wait. Or, or we say we can't wait for the holiday weekend or something that's upcoming. So you realize then, well, waiting, it can be miserable, but it can also be exciting. When you're waiting for that upcoming summer vacation, when you're waiting for your birthday to arrive, there's this sort of anticipation, this excitement. And so this morning we are talking about waiting, and it's waiting on the sure return of Jesus. So it's not the kind of waiting that's insufferable, that's boring. It's the kind of waiting that's filled with hope and wonder and excitement. That that God is going to bring about the culmination of his plan. His his plan of redemption for all humanity. He's going to bring about that plan through the remarkable return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just what we're going to talk about today. So I'm thrilled that you're with us today. My name is John. I pray that through our time together, your heart grows stronger. Your faith grows deeper. So we are continuing on with our remarkable sermon series. We've been uh, really walking through the book of Mark. So we are talking about the remarkable return today. We heard some passage uh, from Mark 13. We don't have time to go through that entire chapter, but if you have time today or this weekend, I would encourage you to go there, uh, spend time reading in Mark chapter 13 uh, by yourself or with your family. But we have this teaching in the New Testament. This is actually in the book of Titus, chapter 2 and verse 13. And here's what Paul says. He says, we wait for the blessed hope. We wait, he says, for the blessed hope. And then he describes what is that blessed hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, friends, I want to encourage each and every one of us today. I want to encourage us with this great and amazing biblical truth and good news. Jesus will return. Can I get an amen? <laughs> like, Jesus is coming back. In fact, liturgical churches have a phrase that they use. Now, I didn't grow up in that tradition. Many of you did not either. But they have a phrase they use re- regarding this. And the phrase they use is this. Uh, I'll put it up on the screen for us to see. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. In fact, let's say that together. Again, I realize this is not really part of our tradition or worship experience very often, but we can sort of borrow this and utilize this from from traditions that are very different from our own in in liturgical churches where, where they would recite things like this. Let's do that together this morning. 
Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. It's a beautiful proclamation. In fact, if there's been a subject near and dear to the hearts of believers for centuries, it is just this topic that we're talking about today. The return of Jesus. The the assurance of forever paradise in his presence. You know, there's just nothing that stirs the soul like knowing he's coming back. He's going to take us to be with him forever. And so let me ask this morning for all of us, how do we know? So, so John says that Jesus is coming back. How do we know that that's true? Well, it's very simple, and it's what we're going to spend our time together on this morning, but the scriptures tell us so. <laughs> the, the scriptures, the Bible, they tell us that Jesus is coming back, like in Mark chapter 13, where Rhonda read for us a few minutes ago. There's another passage. In fact, I'd like you to turn there this morning. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So this is some New Testament teaching from the Apostle Paul on the return, the sure return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe... That Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who've fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who've fallen asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven. With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And he says in verse 18, encourage one another with these words. I'm encouraged today, and I pray that you will be encouraged today as well. Just as Paul says here, encourage one another with these words. That the truth of Scripture is that Jesus is coming back. And so as we study these passages today and talk about it, boy, it just gives us hope. <laughs> it, it just encourages our hearts. It, it reminds us of that liturgical truth that we, that we stated a moment ago, that, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Really, the Bible promises over and over and over and over and over that Jesus is coming back. There are not just a few scriptures. There are many scriptures on it. In fact, we can go all the way back into the New Testament. We can go all the way back into really one of, one of the earliest periods in scripture, which is the time of Job, and see it there. Job says in Job nineteen twenty five, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. Book of Daniel, he says in chapter 7, he has this vision. The Son of Man is coming with the clouds of heaven. It reminds me of a story I heard once about a small country church. Uh, They had an annual revival. So they brought in an evangelist, and he was preaching, and he was fiery. And he was actually preaching on this topic of of Jesus returning. The the building was so crowded that they had to add rows of chairs up in the front. They came all the way up. By the way, our our high school students moved up a row last week. Great job. I like it. 
So, so they moved up even closer than where you guys are sitting. They had to like add rows of chairs. I mean, the, 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 the sweat from this pastor is dripping off onto the people in the front row. It's, it's just a packed, crowded environment. He's the kind of uh, fire and brimstone preacher. He gets really worked up and he's talking about Jesus coming back. And, and he, he steps out almost leaning over the crowd and he's preaching this passage and he, he sort of impersonates Jesus and with a loud booming voice he says, I am coming soon. And he keeps, he keeps preaching and he's the kind of guy who paces back and forth. He's got a microphone with the cable on it. And a second time leaning over, he says, I am coming soon. And a third time he's pacing back and forth. He's really worked up. The microphone cord has managed to kind of tangle around his legs. And just as he's leaning over to scream, I am coming soon. He loses his balance and he falls into the front row. He lands on a husband and wife. And the husband looks at the wife and said, we should have expected it. He told us three times. Jesus himself said it. He said, I am coming. He's not going to send someone else in his place, by the way. <laughs> right? Jesus appeared in the flesh at Advent. He will appear in the flesh at his second coming. And this idea is not a fairy tale. It's not make-believe. It's not a crutch for our faith because the world is so broken and difficult. And we've made up this idea that, that someone's going to come from the clouds to rescue us. It's biblical truth. Jesus is coming again. And this promise brings us great hope, as I've said. And, and Paul tells us it's twice in the First Thessalonians passage to be encouraged. Encourage one another with these words. And so that's what I want to do together. Even as we embrace and proclaim this, this great truth and this great hope. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. So what I want to do with the rest of our time together is talk about the details that we have from Scripture about the return of Jesus. The details that we see that give us hope on the sure return of Jesus. And the first is that the return of Jesus will be glorious. In England, when there is a royal event, that is, the royal family is going to appear, there's all this pomp and circumstance. There's this, they set the stage, and do you know what they do? They blow the trumpet. They're announcing royalty coming. And, and I've never been a part of a scene like that, but I can only imagine that it sort of just takes your breath away. You, you sort of just... This moment that they've created, the grand entrance of the royal family. And what's interesting here is that Paul's description of the return of Jesus sounds very similar. So, so we read it from 1 Thessalonians 4. Let's key back in on verse 16, where he says, The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God. This is going to be an amazing, extraordinary, remarkable, astounding, glorious, triumphant announcement when Jesus comes back. Although I get the sense that the trumpet call of God is unlike anything we've ever experienced. It is, it's unlike, it's, it's a much greater magnitude than the royal family of England being announced at an event. It's unlike anything we've experienced before. Like, you think that your teenager likes to crank their stereo... <laughs> You're like, oh, the whole neighborhood can hear. Well, when Jesus comes back, the whole globe is going to hear. This is louder than your teenager's stereo. This is bigger than the trumpets at, at the royal family's entry. So here's what Jesus himself said from that passage in Mark chapter 13, verse 26. 
at that time, when he comes back at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. The return of Jesus will be glorious. And part of the reason that it's going to be glorious is because it's going to be that moment where the whole world knows that Jesus is Lord. It's going to be that moment where, where those of us who have placed our faith in him, and we're, we're going to be in the minority, and we've stayed faithful to the Lord because of his goodness, and we've, we've said over and over and over that Jesus is Lord, that he is who he said he was. And we're going to be vindicated. And then all those people who were skeptical and all those people who failed to believe are going to go, oh, Jesus really is Lord. He is the king of glory. I love Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. I would say, as we're talking about waiting, I can't wait (laughs) for the return of Jesus. I can't wait for him to come back, part the the sky with with power and with glory. And we're going to see his face, and then we're going to be taken with him into glory. So as I said, this, this glorious return of Jesus, is, it's going to be visible to the entire world. Everyone's going to see it. We, we know this from Revelation 1, verse 7. Uh, look, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Now, when Jesus ascended, so after his resurrection, he spent time with the disciples, and then he ascended into heaven on the clouds. His disciples were standing there. You remember this scene from Acts chapter 1? His disciples are standing there, sort of mouths open, looking up into the sky. (laughs) And an angel appears to them and says, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This is verse 11 of Acts chapter 1. He says, This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in just the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. So we are eagerly awaiting the return of Jesus, and it will be glorious. But listen, for, for, no matter how much we, we might look for his appearing, no matter how much we, we might rejoice at this thought, and we are encouraged today, this, this thought of we're going to see Jesus face to face, the fact is that the return of Jesus is going to be sudden. <laughs> this is not like the summer rains that we have forecasted, you know, four days ahead of time. Uh, is it Tropical Storm Elsa that's, that's coming? We're watching Elsa. We know she's going to hit, you know. It's going to be sudden. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Uh, we read that this is going to be like in a flash. You, you probably have heard this scripture before. The twinkling of an eye. For parents, it's the amount of time it takes for a toddler to make a mess. <laughs> that, that's, how, that, that's how sudden and how quickly this is going to appear. So in that passage in 1 Thessalonians, into chapter 5 and verse 2, Here's what Paul says. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, you're not expecting it. Like the guy who went to the doctor and he was told that the solution to his problem is electrotherapy. Well, he was shocked. So scripture tells us very plainly that no one knows the day or the hour when Jesus is going to return. So in the Mark chapter 13 passage, verses 32 and 33. The words of Jesus, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, 
but only the Father. He says, be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Did you catch that? The words of Jesus. You do not know when the time will come. But isn't it so interesting that every few years, someone emerges claiming to know when Jesus is coming back? Isn't that interesting? Really, there's one thing consistent about those people who claim to know when Jesus is coming back. You know what that is? They're wrong. (laughs) Uh, In fact, I did a little research just this week on it. Saw these headlines. Bible hidden code with imminent 2021 end of the world prophecy cracked by scholars. Really? I guess I wasn't asked to be a part of that team of scholars. (laughs) They've cracked the Bible code that says Jesus is coming back this calendar year. Okay, so here on this, it's the same group. It says this. The hidden code is said to be cracked by mathematically selecting letters from the texts, which appear to create words which... I can't even read this without laughing. Create words which can be read as prophecies. Oh, right, 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 right. Got it. I mean, you, you remember, some of you remember these, these things back in the 80s, and you're like, they're still doing it today? Like, like who are these people? When we are here in Mark 13, 33, and we see, what is this? You do not know when that time will come. So any attempt to spend time on these mathematical or astronomical equations, figuring out the date of Jesus' return, it's futile. It's a waste of our time. And and predicting and publicly saying, I've cracked the code, and this is the date that Jesus is coming back. Instead... I have another idea for us. Instead of of going down those rabbit trails and really going counter to what our Lord Jesus says, why don't you and I make the most of today? Why why don't we make the most of the time that Jesus gives us, knowing that his return, it is soon, it is sure, it's imminent, he's coming back. But but why don't you and I use that as motivation to say, we are called to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. And so we're going to do that, and we're going to do it with a sense of urgency, because we don't know when he's coming back. But listen, when he does come, we won't necessarily be surprised because we're expecting it. We'll be surprised at the exact time and hour. We don't know when that is, but we won't be surprised because we know it's a for sure thing. He is coming back, and so we are waiting with eager expectation for that day when the heavens are parted and the glory of God appears, this remarkable return. Because Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. So there's one other uh, truth that I want to share this morning. One other truth as we're talking about the return of Jesus, the remarkable return. And that is that the return of Jesus will bring judgment. For those who have not surrendered their lives to Christ. Boy, this is really a sobering reality. Even on a day where we are encouraged by these truths, my brothers and sisters. That that we are celebrating this good news and eagerly looking forward to the remarkable return. It is a sobering reality. Even as we are excited and anticipating that great and glorious day, that for those who do not believe, that that day will mean destruction. So Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 3, destruction will come on them suddenly. They will not escape. 
So in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus is talking about his return, it's in chapter 24, he makes a comparison of the day that he returns to the days of Noah. And you know that story, you've heard it in Sunday school. He makes the comparison of when he comes back to the days of Noah. Well, what a dreadful day when God flooded the earth and destroyed almost all of humanity. Noah had been warning them for years. He'd been warning them for years about the impending doom. And yet they went on eating and drinking and living life as though nothing was wrong. You can just imagine the attitude. And it was, we don't want to hear all that doom and gloom stuff. Have any of you seen the the sight and sound, uh, Noah? Anybody taking that in? Amazing. Amazing. If you get the opportunity, take it in, whether in person or the recorded version. They, They don't want to hear what he has to say. They call him names. They pick on him. They antagonize him. We don't want to hear that doom and gloom stuff. There's too much life to live. Not too all dissimilar to our culture today. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to, they don't want to think about those deep, mysterious truths of the gospel and the truth of God. They're focused on what they can see, what they can feel, what they can experience. But for those people, again, going back to the day of Noah, for those people, when the flood came, they were singing a different tune. And here's the sobering part. It was too late. If you go back and read that story, it says that God shut the door. God shut the door. It was closed. It wasn't going to open. It was too late. They may have pounded on it. They may have sobbed. They may have cried. They They may have pleaded with Noah. God shut the door. It was too late for them. So so the return of Jesus for us, yes, it's glorious, it's wonderful, but man, it's also troubling. Because of the multitudes of people who've heard the gospel, they've heard this good news, but they have refused to seek refuge in the only place of salvation, the ark that is our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's a flood coming. Oh no, it's... Not a flood of water. God promised he would never flood the earth with water again. But it is a flood of God's judgment. And it is coming when Jesus returns. The only way to escape that flood of judgment that's coming is to be in Christ. As Noah and his family were in the ark and they were saved, the only way to escape the coming flood of judgment is to be in Christ, to be safe in him through the repentance of your sins by putting your faith in him to save you. And if you've never done that, I pray that you would do it today. I didn't get Elijah's permission. I don't see him in here. Uh, last evening, I was, we were doing our bedtime routine with my son Elijah, and I was singing to him this little light of mine. He says, what does that, after I finish, he says, what does that mean? So I said, it's the light of Christ that shines through us. I said, have you prayed to have Jesus in your heart? He said, no. Can I do it? Yeah. So he prays and he asks God to come and live in his heart through Jesus Christ. I said, son, you have faith. You 
are a part of God's family. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's him who will save you. He's going to turn five next month. (laughs) And that little boy understands a great truth and reality that I wish so many more people would embrace. If you have never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, do it today. In fact, stick around after the service. I would love to talk with you, to pray with you, to just go with you before the foot of the cross and watch you experience that grace of God and receive from him the gift of eternal life. So listen, this is part of why it's so troubling when we think about the day of Christ, the remarkable return, that that there's not going to be another chance. Jesus is coming. He's going to bring judgment. Uh, I'm not going to go to Revelation 19 because of the uh, sensitivity factor, because we have little ones with us. Because it's graphic. But, but in Revelation 19, it sort of describes this scene. And it describes Jesus as riding a white horse. He's got crowns on his head. He's dressed in a robe that's been dipped in blood. And he's got a sword coming out of his mouth. Oh, and by the way, on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And in that passage of Revelation 19, it says, He captures the beast and he throws him into the lake of fire. And then it says, and all who worshipped the beast were also destroyed. So th- this, is, this is terror to those who don't believe. In John chapter 5, it says, A time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. And it says this, Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. So again, let me declare this great and wonderful truth for those who believe today, and that is that Jesus is indeed coming. He's made that very clear. The scriptures tell us that over and over and over again. And some Christian believers, they start to wonder, is he coming back? Why Why hasn't he returned yet? Is he even coming at all? God's timing is not our timing. He's coming. And he calls us to wait patiently on him. He is coming back. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be visible to the whole earth. It's going to be the triumphant scene. It's going to happen suddenly. And when he does come back, he's going to claim us as his own for all eternity. Those who have chosen to believe. So just as the scripture says, encourage one another with these words. So let's be encouraged today that that's our hope in future as we put our faith in him. And let's also be encouraged today to live as though Jesus is coming back today. (laughs) Eternity is just around the corner. So look for someone to share Christ with. Don't put it off. This sure return of Jesus, it demands that we operate with a sense of urgency to make Jesus known. Or maybe you're in a place where you're just walking through hardship and difficulty and stress and and kind of a dark time. I would encourage you, whether it's the second time or the hundredth time, put your trust in Christ. Put your trust only in Christ, the place of salvation. Don't lose heart. Don't waver in your faith. Instead, ask God to help you patiently 
endure and to press on. This is what James writes in James 5, 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. He says, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. There will be a remarkable return, the return of Jesus. Maybe you need to repeat it to yourself or to others that Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let's pray. Thank you, almighty God, for your master plan to redeem all of creation. And that plan is unfolding. We can see it unfolding. We know we're at a unique point in human history where we are just waiting for Christ to come back. And we are actively waiting by being a part of your mission and by sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. And so, Lord, would you give us endurance to press on? Would you give us great faith? In some ways, Lord, help us to simplify, get out of our own heads and have the faith of a a (laughs) four-year-old who very enthusiastically says, Lord, I want you in my heart and in my life because I want to be like a little light that shines the light of Christ. Just like you said, Jesus, that we are a city on a hill. No one takes a light and hides it under a basket. They set it on the lamp. They set it on the, the, the lamp stand. So, Lord, would you shine through us? Would you help us, God, to have hearts of compassion? Would you give us wisdom in engaging and speaking with and praying for those who have not yet placed their faith in you? So, Lord, we wait, trusting in your timing and in your plan with gratitude in our hearts that, Lord Jesus, though we've done wrong, you took our punishment and made a way back to our Heavenly Father that we should be called sons and daughters of the Almighty God, the Eternal King. So, Lord, carry it out according to your will in your timing and all for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.